Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for First St. Charles United Methodist Church in downtown St. Charles, Missouri. We are so glad that you're here, and it's our prayer that you feel safe, welcome, and wanted in this space. If you're interested in finding out more about us or supporting our ministries, you can connect with us online at firststcharlesumc.org. Today's scripture comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, in the book of Acts, chapter 2. Isaiah, chapter 41. Each one helps the other, saying to one another, Take courage. The artisan encourages the goldsmith, and the one who smooths with the hammer encourages the one who strikes the anvil, saying of their soldering, It is good, and they fasten it with nails so that it cannot be moved. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost has come, they were all together in one place. This is the word of God living and growing in us. They were all together when the Spirit came to them. They were all together, all done up in ruby red. They were all together when tongues of fire churning, burning, blazing appeared over them. They were all together when the rush of babbling, bubbling speech came forth, they were all together appearing flat out, wasted drunk to those who didn't get their spirit speech. They were all together when the wild and winded, untamed and out of control God got hold of them. They were all together to see the God-breathed, Christ-centered, Spirit-driven new thing that God was doing. They were all together when God gifted all flesh such that sons and daughters shall prophesy, young men shall see visions and old men dream dreams. They were all together when even upon the enslaved, both men and women, God's Spirit spilled forth. And did they ever prophesy They were all together to see portents in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun turned to darkness and the moon to blood. It was the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. They were all together when everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. They were all together. Who says we don't need each other? Well, it would seem that so much of what passes for faith these days says as much. For much of church history, the church taught that there was no salvation outside the church. It was an exclusively insider's game. It was male and Eurocentric, and if you didn't play, you were doomed, doomed, doomed for all eternity. But then came that bunch of freewheeling, free-thinking rebel reformers who stepped outside the box to say, the church is in need of saving. They stepped outside of the box and outside of convention, outside of custom, and outside of all that they had ever known and been taught. They stepped outside and breathed deeply of freedom's air, daring to wonder if there was salvation to be had inside the church. How dare they? They did dare. They dared to show us up 
close and personal that we need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They actually dared to believe that autonomy was necessary for authenticity and that the church should be separate from the state and where, as I said last week, the individual was a priest unto themselves. It was evangelical good news. Oh, how it was such good and welcome news after so many centuries in the dark to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But then, like all good movements, eventually the reformers became the defenders and the defenders became the enforcers until eventually they had constructed a new box. A box just for one. Such that today we're left with the modern heresy of individualism. It's the heresy that knows no salvation beyond belief. That doesn't practice what it preaches. That whispers in our hearts to say, we don't really need anybody else for salvation. That we're a kingdom of one. Of me, me, me. And the Pentecostal power that once coursed through our veins, that once had us all together, has fallen prey to a whole culture of spiritual narcissists. That's the plain and uncomfortable truth of it all. Against it stands a kingdom. The kingdom of God, it is the subversive kingdom not of me, but of we. It's the kingdom of the Trinity. It's the economy of community. As you may know, despite our Anglo arrogance and prideful ignorance, the Bible was written in Hebrew and Greek, not English. And one of the unfortunate outcomes of translating the Bible into English is that we use just one word that is both singular and plural. It's the word you. So when scriptures say, Jesus came to save you, many of us now read it to mean the individual, me, me, me. Jesus came to save me. When instead, the writers meant the collective we. Jesus came to save you, all of you, you together, you the whole lot of you. Or in the case, the one case, my southern ancestors do have us beat. Jesus came to save y'all. Salvation speaks a plural grammar. And this is where John Wesley had it way over those who would distort and contort his evangelical spirit. As soon as someone wanted to be part of a Methodist movement, he signed them up for bands, a small group of other Methodists. You want to be a Methodist? 
Let's sign you up for a band. Let's sign you up for a class. Let's sign you up for a small group. Let's get you involved in each other's lives. He knew no one comes to faith alone. No one grows in faith alone. You want the Spirit's power to fall on you this day? Stand close enough to someone that the wick of your spirit catches the blaze of theirs. With whom are we standing that dangerously close? Today, we wrap up our series, Hammered, in which we've been using the metaphor of a metal worker as it's found throughout Scripture. The passage from the prophet that we put together with Pentecost puts it, each one helps the other, saying to one another, take courage. The artisan encourages the goldsmith, and the one who smooths with the hammer encourages the one who strikes the anvil, saying of the soldering, soldering, it is good. And they fasten it with nails so it cannot be moved. We need each other to encourage each other, to make each other better. For all that he's not a role model, Jack Nicholson does play as well as anyone can the role of an eccentric, quirky, bad-mannered, confused, generally stupefied man. We can relate to him. He doesn't play characters you want to emulate. He plays the damaged, the twisted, the hard to like. In the film, as good as it gets, he plays the part of Melvin Udall, an ill-tempered, obsessive, compulsive neurotic who says the most terrible things to people. In spite of himself, he does develop feelings for Carol, played by Helen Hunt, a single mother, waitress, with insecurities of her own, who loves her kids, works hard, and has a no-nonsense way of shooting straight with people. The two of them finally go out to dinner. He manages to insult her dress, and she's ready to walk out unless he can think of one nice thing to say. He says, I've got a really great compliment for you. Well, what is it? He says, you make me want to be a better person. You make me want to be a better person. Have you had the experience that he's describing? Where knowing someone, observing them, listening to them makes you want to be a better person? I've been blessed to have that experience powerfully. And the truth is that there are people worshiping with us right this moment who make me want to be a better person. In some cases, it's because you have high expectations of me. You expect faithful, good work. And if you think you're getting it, you respond to it, which helps me push harder to do faithful, good work. But it's not just 
that I discern high expectations among us. More moving to me is catching you in the act of being faithful. When I see you pouring yourselves into your calling, or being exquisitely kind or beautifully generous, when I see you welcoming everyone, welcoming the stranger or giving grace to those who are different from you, when I see some of you bravely bearing personal pain or honestly struggling for faith or speaking out against what is wrong or showing terrific good humor, when I see people like you living countercultural lives of integrity consistent with the way of Christ, it gets to me. It stirs me up into wanting for myself to live a truer and lovelier life. Each one helps the other, saying to another, take courage. It is a sacrament of the joy of mutual encouragement. It's what we do. It's how we roll. It's the Pentecostal power that would fall on you, on all y'all. Do you understand what power you together have to influence, inspire, and encourage those of us who live around you? And did you know that this power to influence, inspire, and encourage each other is at the heart of why we're connected together today. It's not just the salvation of me. It's the salvation of we. And it's not just the salvation of believing. It's the salvation of belonging. Maybe we can't be saved by the community alone. But apart from the community, can any of us be saved? Maybe we can't be saved by the community alone. But apart from the community, can any of us be saved? May the Spirit fall on us all together in this place.